0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host Heather, and today's case is about two twin mothers who violate all odds of humanity and prove that maybe, just maybe, being a monster is genetic. We don't do small talk, so let's dive in. (laughs) Flores was a sweet little six-year-old boy with a big infectious grin. He was the only son of Jose and Jackie, an only child who lived with his aunt and two cousins. He was one piece of a very large and loving family who seemed to dote on little Duke any chance they got. However, Duke's grandma was worried about him because recently, every time she had called her daughter Jackie to speak to her grandson, her daughter would say that he was asleep. She realized she hadn't physically heard Duke's voice since April 14th and was officially getting suspicious. Something wasn't right. Grandma called Jackie, who lives with her twin sister and her two children as well, and basically tells her to cut the crap. She wants to know where Duke is and not to tell her that he's sleeping again. Jackie breaks down and tells her mother that she caught six-year-old Duke trying to smother her twin sister Jennifer's nine-month-old baby with a pillow, and he was subsequently sent to a mental hospital. Grandma calls bullshit, says her story just isn't adding up, and she's done playing games. So she calls the police and reports her grandson missing on Thursday, April 25th of 2019. The following morning, an alert's issued describing Duke as being a critically missing child with light skin who is Hispanic, 3 foot 10, tall for his age, with brown hair and brown eyes. On the afternoon of April 26, his family makes a plea to the public via NBCLA. Duke's cousin asks that anyone with even 10 minutes to spare to please come out and help look for the sweet missing six-year-old little boy. During this interview, his cousin, who is much older, slips in there that Duke has been missing for two weeks, saying that he had simply wandered off a much different story than the one Duke's mom had come up with when her mother asked where he had been. She tells KSHV that Jackie had initially told her that Duke was with one of his aunts, then changed her story to say that he was playing in the front yard on April 18th and vanished when she went inside to do something. Now I'm interested in how he went from being missing for 11 days to having been missing for two weeks. When stories change, it's the people telling them that need to be looked at, and right now, that's Duke's mom. And it's not like little details are changing. The fundamentals of her story are drastically different depending on who she's talking to. Her newest rendition of events is that Duke vanished from their front yard over a week ago. Let's go over the versions of this story we have so far. 1. Duke tried to smother a baby so he's in a mental institution. 2. Duke's grandmother hasn't heard from him since April 14th. 3. Duke's been missing for two weeks. 4. Duke is with an aunt. 5. Duke has been missing for over a week after vanishing from the front yard. The most important similarity between all five of these stories is that Duke's mother never reported her son missing. She claims she was too afraid to. Afraid of what though? It's not like there was a ransom note. Was she scared that people would say she neglected her son? That if they went inside, they'd see something much worse than someone who'd simply let their six-year-old play outside alone? Was there a history of abuse between Jennifer and Duke? Because from my point of view, the only thing the police are going to do is look for your missing kid. Sounds to me if she was scared of anything, she was scared of getting caught. Crime scene investigators diverge on Duke's family home and start looking around. Locals describe seeing police taping off the area surrounding the house, along with a larger than normal police presence. A neighbor tells Victor Valley News that it's been at least a week since she's heard any children at the house next door, even with the previous weekend being Easter. Another neighbor tells the station that the night Duke was reported missing, a group of 20 or so women showed up at the house yelling. It was the rest of Duke's family. They were demanding answers as to where he was. Without any updates to the public on the status of the search or any new information, homicide detectives pull up to the home and what little hope the community was holding out for his safe return starts to quickly diminish. Police can be seen walking evidence bags out of the home, sifting through the garbage cans outside, and canines are perched at the beginning of a small dirt road that leads to the family's backyard, eagerly awaiting to be released by their handlers. ABC 7 reports watching two vehicles being towed away from the home. Just a single day after Duke was reported missing, it's revealed that his mother Jackie was arrested for willful cruelty to a child in direct relation to her son's disappearance. But it hadn't taken a whole day. Police had kept it close to the vest. Jackie was actually arrested the exact same day her son was finally reported missing by his grandmother. This isn't one of those times where police find a charge they can use to keep a suspect in custody while they build their case. This charge was swift and was directly related to the current investigation into Duke's disappearance. But what about her twin sister, Jennifer? They live in the same house. Certainly, she noticed Duke was missing, and she sure as hell didn't report it either. But fear not, Victor Valley News says she's also being questioned but has yet to be arrested. On Saturday, April 27th, police moved the search to a second location, but give no details as to where it might be or what leads may have led them there. Later that day, it's announced that both Jackie and her twin sister Jennifer were arrested less than 24 hours prior on Friday night, the 26th, on murder charges. Both women are being held without bail. Soon, Jennifer's charge looks to be changed to accessory after the fact, meaning that police may not believe that she had taken part in the murder itself, but she was certainly involved in the cover-up. We still have no details as to what led police to suspect that Duke has been murdered. A family member came out of the woodwork and told KTLA that Duke has been known to wander off in the past— One, if that's true, you guys need to put some things in place to prevent that from happening again. And two, his own mother and aunt who live with him didn't report him missing for over a week. I think it's safe to say that he didn't just wander off. It's time to stop making excuses for your family. I know you want to see the best in them, but in some situations, you have to stop being an optimist and be a realist. Despite the murder charges, Victor Valley News reports that more than 250 people across the country say that they'll be leaving on their porch lights in honor of Duke until he comes home, symbolizing a beacon of hope. Jackie is scheduled to appear in court on the 29th for the willful cruelty charge, where her bail is set for $100,000. And I know you're freaking out about the bail amount, so bear with me. Both Jackie and Jennifer are due in court the following day, April 30th, on the murder and accessory charges. Those charges come with absolutely no possibility of bail, so don't worry, they're not going anywhere right now. But plot twist, if you're like me, you've been wondering where in the free hell this kid's dad is and what he has to say about all this. Well, it turns out that Duke's father also lives at the home with Duke's mother, twin sister, and her two kids. But WHIO-TV says that he's seriously ill and had no idea his son was missing. Now, I have no idea what kind of illness he has, but I assume it has to be something major to be unaware that your son hasn't been around for two weeks, and for Jackie and Jennifer to feel confident enough to do whatever they did and assume that Duke's father was too sick to notice. On Monday, April 29th, when Jackie scheduled for her first court date regarding her missing son, police announced that a day prior they started searching for Duke at a new location, Victorville Landfill. Only 12 miles from his home on Cherokee Avenue, it's said to contain over 600 tons of garbage. That is 1.2 million pounds of trash. Thankfully, and I use that word loosely, they've narrowed down the search area within the landfill to a 70 by 70 foot area that's only 10 feet deep. It sounds like if he's there, they will find him. Authorities received a tip that Little Duke's body had been placed in a dumpster. It's unclear if this tip was from a third party or if it came from Jackie or Jennifer in an effort to get some sentence leniency, but since they're searching such a specific area in the landfill, it sounds like they know exactly which dumpster Little Duke had been placed in. KTLA reports that police are confident that they'll locate the missing boys' remains during their extensive search of the landfill. They dig all day, utilizing heavy machinery, detectives, sheriffs, volunteers, and even cadaver dogs, but Sunday and Monday's searches come up empty. The San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office announces Monday that they've filed a single murder charge against both Jackie and... And Jennifer. So now Jennifer isn't just an accessory after the fact. She, along with her sister, is being held fully responsible for the murder of her nephew. While all of this is happening and happening at lightning speed, might I add, grandma is on a freaking social media rampage. I mean, she's the one who called asking questions about her grandson not being around, and the police and half of their damn family show up to the house almost immediately demanding answers, arrest your daughter, then charge both of your twin daughters with the murder of said grandson, and now they're searching a trash dump for his body. But instead of being disgusted and ashamed of what they're accused of doing to an innocent child, which was a concern she clearly had from the beginning, she starts, threatening accidents to anyone who speaks negatively about her family saying it's not a threat it's a promise according to 24 7 headline look granny i gave you the benefit of the doubt for a day but now i don't care you're fucking nuts your kids are fucking nuts and your poor grandson did nothing to deserve being subjected to six years of y'all's bullshit if you guys didn't want to take care of him there's a society full of people who would have happily volunteered At 8 a.m. on April 30th, San Bernardino sheriff's deputies, 19 of them to be exact, head right back to the landfill search site. Simultaneously, Jackie and Jennifer, looking like jail trash, roll up into court for their arraignment on Duke's murder, wearing fugly green jail scrubs, which means they're being held in protective custody. Green is neither of the girls' color if we want to get petty. The pair look drastically different than they portray themselves on their Facebook, being sure to accentuate their boobs, brows, piercings, and chest tattoos. Don't worry, I'll be adding all these photos to the highlight under Duke's name at the top of my Instagram profile, at the Heather Ashley. Beatrice Valenzuela is at the arraignment and live tweets the entire thing. She reports that more than a dozen members of their family have showed up and are taking up three rows of the gallery, some wearing shirts with missing Duke's face on it. Duke's father even attended the hearing. I don't know much about his illness, but from what I gather, he's not able to be present for much. Both assholes plead not guilty as authorities comb through 1.2 million pounds of garbage looking for their son and nephew. Bail is set at $1 million each, which is when the two start sobbing. Their next court appearance is scheduled for that Friday, and another one is set for May 13th. The two are going to have some time to think about what they've done and the bail they can't afford. The landfill search goes until 5 p.m. that night, and again, everyone heads home feeling defeated, not having found any trace of Duke. The same results come of the search on May 1st. Duke's father, Jose Flores, finally gets a chance to speak out and tells KCAL that he just wants his son back, and the thought of the woman he loves and her sister doing something to his son is hard to come to terms with. We learn a little more about his health condition and it turns out that he has what KCAL refers to as a debilitating aneurysm and that while he does live in the same house as Duke and the twins, he says that he'd been told Duke was in the hospital getting help. You'll remember that was one of the stories given to Duke's grandmother as well. Jose says he just wants Duke's mom and aunt to tell the truth so that they can find his son. Authorities continue searching the landfill, and each day they go home exhausted and defeated. There is still no sign of Duke. Jackie and Jennifer request that their May 13 hearing be rescheduled. A deposition and reset hearing is set for June 6th, and a preliminary hearing is set for August 5th. The search of the landfill continues on with temperatures hitting nearly 100 degrees and days turn into a week and a week turns into two and two weeks turns into a month. Every day, showing up with deputies, detectives and dogs doing one grid search at a time as to not miss anything and going home every single day questioning whether or not they missed something. Two months after Duke was reported missing, NBC LA reports that the search of the landfill has officially been called off. They feel certain that the little boy's body was placed in a dumpster not far from his home, but after combing through what they estimate to be around 7,000 tons of garbage, they have yet to find him. At a preliminary hearing set on June 10, 2019, a homicide detective from the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department testified as to what she believes the events were that led to Duke's murder. Information which she says came from an interview with Duke's mother, Jackie, on April twenty seventh, just two days after he was reported missing. Victorville Daily Press reports that Detective Sosa believes both Jackie and Jennifer were in the backyard hanging laundry on April 4th when they heard a scream. They rushed into the garage of the home to find Duke allegedly straddling Jennifer's nine-month-old daughter, attempting to smother her with a pillow. They pull Duke off, and that's when Jennifer tells Jackie she's got to kill him. Even after saying that, Jackie allegedly allowed Jennifer to take Duke into the backyard alone, never mentioning what the two did out there. It's reported she came back inside the garage with Duke about five minutes later. It's said that Jennifer then placed a bag over Duke's head and grabbed a TV power cord and wrapped it around his neck. As if suffocating him wasn't efficient enough, she decided she needed to strangle him as well. That's when Jackie, his own mother, allegedly tied up Duke's hands with another TV cord. That last point was disputed at the hearing. Victor Valley Daily Press continues their coverage, noting that Detective Sosa says once Duke was dead, he was wrapped in a blanket, placed into a laundry bag, which was then placed into a garbage bag. And that's when the two went into the backyard, dug a hole, placed the bags containing Duke's little body into the hole, and then covered him back up with dirt. Something that proved really inconvenient for the sisters because after seven full days of this sweet boy being in the ground behind his home in the very same backyard he used to play in, their pit bulls began digging at Duke's grave, exposing his third layer of wrapping, the garbage bag. So on Easter Sunday, after a day of family events, frilly dresses, church bells across town, and the magic of the Easter Bunny, the two women waited for darkness and exhumed Duke from his backyard grave. They placed him into a pull wagon with other bags of trash and took a walk with the other two kids around the area. They were looking for any dumpster they could find to dispose of the badly decomposing body of the six-year-old in the wagon behind them. This is confirmed by surveillance footage pulled from the neighbor's cameras that show the two exiting the home a little before 9 p.m. that night, one with a stroller and the other with a wagon towing a large item. It took three blocks of searching, but they finally found an unlocked dumpster and without any further thought, threw Duke in there with the rest of the trash accumulated by the family in the holiday that weekend and simply walked back home. One of the twins then used Duke's own iPad to search for trash pickup times in the area. They wanted to be so sure that they wound up searching the subject over 100 times that night. And I'm sorry, the fact that Duke owned an iPad floored me. The iPad was probably worth more than the dump of a house they lived in. But let's move on. Victorville Daily Press states that when a detective went over the details of Jackie's confession, Jennifer started crying and agreed with everything that had been said, which is why both women were then charged with murder. This begs the question, though, why in the fuck did they plead not guilty? They're scheduled back in court on July 17th. I'm going to assume that none of his family was privy to this information. I cannot fathom anyone defending their character after knowing the details of what they did to this little boy. To this day, Duke's body has never been found, and had Jackie not told detectives what she and her sister did to her son, the two may still be walking free. A court hearing was scheduled for mid-July, but I cannot for the life of me find any updates on this case past June of this year. Jennifer's two kids have since been taken into protective custody, and Jose waits for justice to be laid upon the two women he trusted the most to protect and advocate for his son when he was unable to. As soon as there are any updates on Little Duke Flores, they will be uploaded here ASAP, but until then, we wait. I'll be uploading photos pertaining to the case, including adorable pictures of Duke's sweet little smile and super flattering photos from Facebook and the arraignment of the sisters, to my Instagram at theheatherashley under Duke's highlight at the top of my profile. As always, if you love this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get an update anytime there are new episodes. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating or even a review. They always make our day. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next Monday, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.